0: Good evening, Newark. It's good to be back together. I'm so thankful we have the opportunity to come together and study God's word, to fellowship together, to chat together, and to just have community centered around learning together and growing together. Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together. We ask that you would touch our hearts and our minds tonight as we study your word. Help us to hear and to examine ourselves as we learn and we grow to become more of like you and of what you would like us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we are continuing our theme on you fool. And I'm going to discuss the foolishness of serving. Now, that seems pretty easy. And when I when I was thinking of this topic initially, I was like, wow. We've really discussed serving and what we can do for others a lot. And as I dug into the scripture and the the spirit began to speak to me, I had a little bit of an aha moment. You may not, but if you feel like you're having a little bit of an aha moment tonight, just open your heart to the Lord and let him speak to you. This is an area each of us can grow in. I'm going to start with reading John chapter 13, verses 1 through 16. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master. Nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. This is a, a core passage that believers have used, that we all use, we all study. And it exemplifies serving one another, humbling ourselves and serving one another. Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and then he doesn't leave it there. I like many times, uh, it's easy to stop. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash others' feet. And we can stop there. But that's not where Jesus stopped. He said, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And then he even explains it further. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. This is powerful. This Jesus is stressing that in God's kingdom, every person is valuable. And one person's role in the kingdom of God does not make them more important or more valuable than someone else in the kingdom of God. And sometimes even because of this passage and the actual act of washing feet, many times believers, we can tie serving to giving to the act of giving. That's not wrong. Giving is a part of serving, but giving is not serving. There's there's much more to it. I want to I want to read a quote I pulled out of relevant magazine and it's from Alvin J. Smith as he described a scene in his book How Christianity Changed the World. And he's speaking of Rome when epidemics broke out says howard haggard the romans often fled in fear and left the sick to die without care the romans saw helping a sick person as a sign of human weakness whereas christians in light of what jesus taught about helping the sick believed they were not only serving the sick but also serving god thus christianity filled the pagan void that largely ignored the sick and dying especially during times of pestilence or we would call pandemic. This Christ-motivated humanitarian behavior, so admirably displayed by early followers, also introduced the notion that because God loves humanity, Christians cannot please God unless they love one another. This, as Rodney Stark puts it, was revolutionary. This was revolutionary for that time. These Christians that didn't, they didn't, um, believe in or worship a pantheon of gods. They believed in one God, um, and this God that they were mocked because they believed in a God that that died on a cross and then rose again. It was hilarity to the Romans. They they laughed at it. They mocked it. But then, in times of distress, these Christians came in and they they gave, they served, they they helped the sick. They died alongside the sick because their this world they understood was not their final destination. So. Through this, caring for the sick and diseased, providing for orphans and widows, sharing food with the hungry, and meeting many other needs. This is the basis of what over time has estel- helped establish what we call now humanitarian efforts that are still a huge part of Western society. So in this in this topic today, we're talking about you fool. So if if serving is seen as foolishness, then... What do we do? Because humanitarian efforts are not seen as foolishness in our country. Uh, many people that don't believe in any kind of God give large amounts of money and their time to humanitarian efforts. Um, in the United States, it's we don't view humanitarian aid um, and, and support as crazy as something only christians do it is ex- largely expected of christians because they um, our society understands the belief and even many even know where our hospitals our orphanages and the concepts that come with those originated so in this message what do we mean by the foolishness of serving Then, we have to look back at the origins to scripture of what serving actually means for a believer. What does it mean to serve men, to serve humankind? What does that mean as believers? So I want to pu- I pulled up a few scriptures. Matthew 19, 13 through 15 says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 13. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Galatians 3, 27 through 28 says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what we see happening in these verses is Jesus is assigning and acknowledging value. Whenever the disciples, the disciples did not value Children, They were not valuable compared to Jesus' time and to the work in the, his preaching and what he was doing. And Jesus said, no, bring them to me. I will take the time to lay, hand, to touch them, to bless and to pray for them because children have value. In a society where children didn't have value. Unless you were the firstborn male child of of many families, you didn't have a lot of value. Jesus says all children have value. When the man with leprosy came where he wasn't allowed to be touched by society. Society was told to, to shun them, to stay away from them in case they caught that disease. Jesus didn't just heal him. He could have spoken from a distance. He touched him because that man had value. He was conveying through a touch. You have value. And then in Galatians, we see again that as people come into the body of Christ, it is being stressed that all of humanity has value. Whether you are a slave or a free person, whether you are a male or a female, a Jew or a Gentile, we are all one. We are all of the same value. We have value to Christ and we are made in his image and we are created like him. The core of serving as a disciple of Christ, to the core of serving humanity, of serving others, is understanding that every person has value. Each person is valuable. And by truly believing that, it changes our posture to a posture of serving. When we realize that no matter what my role is in the kingdom of God, I have value. No matter what your role in the kingdom of God is, you have value. And if you're not a part of the kingdom of God, you still have value. And by by taking that understanding and processing it every day in our lives, it changes the way we act, the way we think, the way we process information. It changes who we are and our posture. Because when we realize that we all have value and that we are all one and the same, in the kingdom of God, then I no longer can look at myself better than anyone else. When I start having selfish ambition or selfish desires, suddenly so I have to i have to run it through that filter. Wait. We all have value. When I'm upset or when I'm hurt, I have to remember the person that hurt me is valuable and, and is a part of the kingdom of God and is made in the image of God, whether they're in his kingdom or not. The knowledge that all of humanity is made in the image of God, that each of us have value because of this, and living in a way that treats everyone with value is the way believers are to serve. That's how we serve. It has to start with this understanding. It may seem foolish to serve people and to come at things with this mentality to those that do not understand the value of every single person. You see, I can give money to someone. I can give my time to to efforts and to things without humanitarian efforts, without valuing. I can do it because I'm a good person. I can do it because it's what I'm supposed to do. I can help care for someone because I'm a Christian and I'm a believer. And that's what I'm supposed to do because I'm I'm striving to be like Christ. But, But what's that all? That's all about me. That's not about the person. That's not about the value of the person. Anyone can do that. Anyone can give money and be a part of something without even valuing those people. It is possible to give to people and to serve people while looking down on them. We have to help those poor people. You know, they don't have much of a chance in life. They're probably not going to make it. Well, you know, being a Christian, I really need to go do this. That's not valuing that person. That's valuing me and my place as a believer. And I'm going to go do this for some poor little soul because I'm a believer. And that is not, that is not the way Jesus taught and was teaching us to think in, in, in scripture. It seems foolish to serve those that hurt us. It seems foolish to serve those that take advantage of us. It seems foolish to treat with honor the ones who despise us for any reason, whether it's because of our financial status, because of mistakes we've made in the past, because of our ethnicity, because of our, our life choices, because of our beliefs, because of our family ties. It seems foolish to, to value someone that would treat us, us negatively or harmful because of things we can't even control or sometimes things we can control. And maybe we've repented and asked for forgiveness, but that its forgiveness is not extended. It seems foolish for us to think of them as having great value and to live in a way that serves and honors them and treats them with value. As believers, we have been commanded to value others no matter what. There are no buts, ifs, ands, or ors. We are to value others no matter what. We can all give, like I mentioned earlier, our money, our time. We can serve with efforts. Um, we can share something with someone in need. And these are all good things. And we can do that. But we can do those things without having the mind of a servant, without valuing. I've done things before. Maybe you've done things for people before. And it wasn't because I valued them. It was because I thought, well, it's the right thing to do. Or they're really in need. Or, you know. It's my Christian duty. But that's not valuing people. And it changes our posture. It changes from a posture of, oh, this is what I need to do to, can I help? What can I do? You have value. I'm so glad you're alive. I'm so glad that you are living and breathing and you have something to you are a part of the human race. You have something to give and you have worth. How different is that? How different is that? How does that change our actions and our posture and our thinking? As true servants, people that, that serve and value others as biblically mandated, we must serve others in our speech. That may not be something we think about very often. How do we speak of others when they're not around? How do we speak of other people that we disagree with financially? How do we speak of others that we don't agree with politically? How do we speak of others that we don't agree with religiously? How do we agree with others that we don't? How, how do we serve others we don't agree with eth- ethically? culturally how do we serve those people how do we speak about those people when they're not around we're in maybe with a safe group of people that think like us or maybe it's just us and our family how do we speak about these people that we don't agree with maybe even people we're afraid of people that have an agenda that we know will hurt us we may be kind in person But how do we speak about those that have hurt us and our families when they're not around? How do we speak of people that cause us to fear or have anxiety? How do we speak of people we don't feel safe around? Do we speak about them like they have value and they are made in the image of God? The first church died and served with people and, and told Roman citizens that were dying or, or that were sick, that had been abandoned by their own society. You have value and I will come here and I will minister to you and I will sit with you. There may be nothing I can do except for even catch your disease, but I will sit with you while you die and tell you about a God that loves you because you have value and you are worth just as much as me. Is that how we speak of one another? Is that how we speak of those around us? Of humanity? I will tell you, I was convicted. Because many times we feel it's okay to say this, especially when we're afraid. Or they're going to hurt us, so I I need to say these things, or it's okay for me to vent about this, but... Our posture is only changed. We only truly become servants of others when we value them. What about time? You and I value our time. We, we've been taught that. We've been raised our culture. I don't have much time. We're busy. We value our time. Do we only spend time with those that offer us fulfilling relationships? Or do we spend time with those that have nothing to offer us? That going in, we may feel like, there's nothing in this relationship that's going to benefit me. It's just going to take my time. It's just going to be a draw, completely suck all my time. Or can we look at someone and say, wow, you have so much value. God loves you so much. Look at these parts of you, and you're made in the image of God, and these just shine out of you. I can just see him shining out in the way He created you and your your the good things and the talents and the abilities that you have. I'm not talking about somebody that's in the church. I'm talking about somebody that's a draw on your time. Can we think about that that way about people? Can we truly value people because they are people? Do we value others with our body language? Now I want you to stop. We're gonna take just a minute. I want you to think of someone or a group of people that you have trouble valuing, because all of us have somebody we have trouble valuing for for any reason. So let's stop a minute, think about that. Get that person or group of people in your mind. you to think what does your body language say when they're around what does your face say do they feel valued when they leave your presence that's a question we can all ask ourselves if i am going to serve others and i'm going to be a servant in the kingdom Do others feel valued when they leave my presence? That's a hard one because we all have someone we have trouble valuing. Do we value people in our thoughts? Luke 6:45 says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart what you say flows from what is in your heart do you and i value people in our thoughts in our hearts Because what's inside is going to come out. Whether it's our words, our actions, our body language, our face. It will come out. And one of the best ways to combat this is to ask us that question. Ask ourselves that question. Do I value people just because they're people? Just because they have value and they are made in the image of God. Because when we do and we begin to do that, it changes our posture. And everything flows out of that. Our actions, our words, our thoughts, all flow out of that. Do we value others in our social media posts and what we share? I've heard people say, oh, I didn't write that. I just shared it because it had some good points. Oh no. When you share it, You said it, It doesn't matter who wrote it. Our social media says a lot about who we value and what we value. And if we do not value someone, can we truly serve them? If we do not value someone, can we truly serve them? And if we don't value someone and we're trying to serve them, then who are we actually serving and valuing? All of us will have some thinking that we will need to constantly adjust because we, we are broken. We are human. We are still living in a world full of sin. We still battle our own temptations, our own sin. We've battled our own fears. We battle our own demons. We battle our own past. We battle our own things that cause us to devalue people for one reason or another. And we have to constantly adjust, constantly be making adjustments, repenting, saying, God, I failed, I'm sorry, I want to do better. Grow me, change me, help me to value people. Because if we truly value people, then we will naturally produce the actions that serve people. And people know when you value them. They can tell. And they know when you're giving or your actions, you're doing things because it's your duty or because it makes you feel better as a Christian. People can see right through that. This type of service, this type of serving is foolishness to those that don't understand, those that are not trying to follow a way of understanding that everyone is made in the image of God. It's foolishness to a society where me comes first. Even in my giving, I'm going to give to those that I feel need it the most, or I'm going to give to those that I, am, I have it so much better than them, so I'm just, poor them, I'm going to give to them. Even in our giving, it's about us. Many times. And so giving from the mindset of every person has value. You are valuable. That's foolishness to those that don't understand. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise because the things of God are like are foolishness to those that are wise in the world. And I want to live a life and I know that you want to live a life that values people. And we need the the Spirit and the power of God to help us overcome our hurts and our past and to look past them and see the people and not our pain. But we can. We have so much hope because of the power the Holy Spirit that lives within us gives us the power to do so. Not by our might, but by His You and I can have the strength and we can see with the help of the Holy Spirit, the beauty and the the might, the creative gloriousness of Jesus, of God, as he, he put humanity together and his image is in each of us. And through his spirit, we can feel the love that God has for every person through our own pain, through our own past. And it may seem like foolishness to many, but it's not to God. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would touch each and every one of us. Help us to open our eyes and see the value that every person has. Whether we agree or disagree, let us remember That what we agree and disagree on isn't what brings us together. What brings us together is you. And that you are our creator and our king. And every one of us has value in you. And we are as one in your body. Help us to love our neighbor. Help us to love humanity. And help us to see past ourselves. And our own desire for accolades and for, for esteem and for praise. And to put others first. And to esteem them greater than ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night. I love you all.